Hello and welcome to the Ross Usherup podcast. I'm Steve Prentice, longtime friend and colleague of Ross, and this podcast is the second of two episodes we're releasing simultaneously to address the challenges of communicating online, which is what everyone is being forced to do right now. The first episode focused on some things to think about in terms of how you relate to and through your meeting technology. So what's this one going to be about, Ross? This podcast is about how to project an impressive virtual executive screen presence. All of a sudden, everyone's used to meeting and speaking in boardrooms, classrooms, auditoriums, and they're having now to deal with virtual technology. Thankfully, most of us have the bandwidth and the technology to do this, but there's still some specific techniques that you need in order to come across with an impressive presence. And I always say there are no dress rehearsals once a virtual meeting begins. And just like in the real world, most people will form impressions of you within seven seconds, probably within a blink. However, I'm trying to be kind. You're always being judged by more than just your words. Body language plays a significant role in how others perceive you. And body language often speaks louder than words anyway. So when you combine the right energy with the right body language and the right words, Steve, your message becomes more powerful and resonant. What I want to do here is share some tips and tricks that will help you, the audience, project a positive executive screen presence. Okay, this is so exciting because, as you know, Roz, I mean, I, I speak for a living as well. I, I'm up there on stage. I love walking around. I love using body language. I love owning the stage, basically. So, you know, it's a very different thing when you're doing it online on a computer, uh, most people that I encounter, the first thing they think about is they're going to do this sitting down, which is pretty natural because most of us use a computer sitting down. So is there a difference between sitting in a meeting in real life in a boardroom versus sitting for a virtual meeting online? I would say definitely yes, because when you're in person, people see like the full portrait of who you are. But when you're in camera, the likelihood it's going to focus on on certain aspects of your body, which is probably more than likely from the waist up, you're much more under a microscope. If you're sitting, some tips just to think about is you really want to sit upright. Now's the time to have good posture when you're in front of the camera. Sit upright towards the camera, lean a little bit forward, just slightly when you want to emphasize a point. You also want to keep your arms open. You don't want to cross your arms across your chest because it might be perceived as disinterest. Maybe it even signals disapproval. You want to make sure that you're open, you're approachable. If you're nervous, by the way, clasp your hands together in front of you and rest it on, on your desk. But the likelihood is if you want to really show that you're comfortable with yourself and with others, you want to show your hands. If you put them under the table, you're going to minimize your, your size. So you want to take up space. You also want to firmly plant your feet on the ground because for whatever reason, it's easier to gesture naturally. And you don't want to cross your legs because that may make you look a little bit leaning over, which doesn't help you with your presence. When you were saying those things, the thing that came to my mind, it's going to sound kind of weird, but I realized the number of meetings that I've been in with people who are sitting down, again, looking at the screen, doing their work, is they all look like airline pilots. Uh, they're all sitting motionless in their chairs, basically talking into a microphone, staring straight ahead. And yeah, they're like pilots. There's no movement whatsoever. So as you're giving this sort of summary, this list of actions and activities to do, even like leaning forward a little bit, then moving back, using that three-dimensional space, yeah, you're humanizing the situation. But yes, 
so many times I've seen people and they look like they're flying a plane when they're talking because it's all monotonous and robotic. So this is a really great way to bring people into life online on screen. I want to share another thing with you if I can here, because I was in a meeting just yesterday and one of the participants in this meeting was joining using his phone. Okay, so instead of having his computer on the desk, he was holding his phone in his lap and looking down at it which meant that everybody in the meeting was looking up past his stomach, past his chest, to a tiny little head way off in the distance, staring up his nose. You know, it wasn't really a pretty sight. Uh, it just shows that he was not really aware of, of this, the power of how people are scrutinizing you, your background, or the room you're in and everything. They're scrutinizing you all the time. So yeah, if you're going to use your phone, which is perfectly fine, but prop it up at eye level, either just prop it up against a, a wall or something, or use a little teeny tiny tripod, but prop it up at eye level, just like a regular computer. So is this the only way you can do this, or can you still stand to speak? I know I would love to do that, to get up and pace around a bit. It's a more powerful way of projecting presence, in my opinion. So how can you do that on a virtual meeting as well? Well, let's put it this way. I always believe that where you can stand, you always own your space. You own your personal power. Because when you sit, we don't always take up space. So standing really will help you also to have more energy. And if you're going to stand, you really want to stand with your, um, hopefully your computer has to be elevated so that you're not looking down, as you said, with that guy who's holding his, his phone. And, and you've got to keep your feet facing the camera. You've got to rest your hands comfortably by your side. Or, you know, sometimes people like one hand in the pocket, never two, because it causes your shoulders to slouch. And you don't want to sway. This is my only concern. I know some people have a lot of energy. You cannot pace like you're on stage because the camera is going to go by the wayside and no one's going to see you. Ideally, if you are a pacer, plant one foot slightly in front of the other so you stand in one place. And I just feel that when you're able to stand, you're able to get the nervous energy outside of you rather than bottleneck it within you. So keeping one foot rooted, that's a really good idea. So it allows me to continue to move without going out of frame. But yeah, I, I would love the idea of being able to move around and gesture like that. You know, Steve, when you do a TED Talk, they have a circular red carpet and you cannot walk out of that carpet. Otherwise, your TED Talk's over. What if you just use tape and put it on the floor so you knew that you were in front of your camera? I think that would be a really good idea for people, and it would stop them from wandering out. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this may not be for everyone, of course, but the idea here is to project some presence, to project some sort of, you know, executive leadership style. Then this would appeal to certain presenters who, you know, want to give that authority to their audience. So is that everything about gesturing? Is there more about how I can gesture on screen that I can still use to get through to people through the screen? Yes, of course. I really believe that hand gesturing, the most important benefit is that it projects energy. It actually impacts on the tone of your voice. And I find that when I do virtual training, I've been doing it for over eight years. When I sit in one place, and I don't use my hands, I could feel my energy dropping. So use your hands. It, make sure, though, it's not outside of the camera. And be mindful also if you're going to gesture, avoid your fists clenching because you're going to look like you're really angry or frustrated. And I saw someone, they were talking in, in front of a camera and they were finger pointing. It was so aggressive. 
Another thing that you could do gesturing is not just with your hands, but if you are, and you don't want people to interrupt you, if you're giving points, use your fingers to count. But I always start with your index finger. So I would like to share three things regarding this particular topic, one, two, three. So I start with my index, thumb or index. Don't start with your pinky. It's your weakest finger. But when you are using your fingers to make points, people are less likely to interrupt you. You could also gesture by nodding your head, showing that you're listening. If you excessively nod, be careful because that might show that you're green. Uh, sometimes people excessively nod because they want to hurry someone up. But to the other person talking, they may be interpreting it that they're saying yes to it. So it could be an explosive um, ending of a conversation with miscommunication. And the last thing is resist touching your face. A lot of times that we don't realize and we now know we, we're not supposed to touch our face. But if you're crimping with your hair or if you have a beard, I've seen people talk in virtuals and they're playing with their facial hair. It's not a good idea. Yeah, I can see all of that. I mean, once again, people who are new to this, they're not used to seeing themselves on camera. So if, if there's a hair out of place, they want to adjust. So it's like having a mirror there. Uh, but I like what you said there about being used to uh, presenting because some of these things may sound very small little details, like counting on your fingers like that, one, two, and three. But that's what really makes the difference between somebody who's an effective communicator and somebody who is not. These are little subtle gestures, but they do retain that power. So yes, people will sit and wait for the three things to be counted down. So uh, these are small points, but really big points in, their, in the same way as to capitalize on being visual. So great, I can stand up, I can move around to some degree, I can use my three-dimensional space even when I'm sitting down. So now let's go to the face. I mean, we refer to this a little bit in the other podcast, but it's worth revisiting because this is the most important part. What do I need to know about facial expressions and just my face when I'm on camera with a team? A lot. <laughs> Let me tell you a story about that first. If you ever watch gymnastics or figure skaters competing on TV, you're going to see that no matter how hard they're working and concentrating, they also have to plaster a toothy smile on their face throughout the whole routine. You wonder, you know, they're working so hard, yet they look so happy and approachable. Because if they let their face go natural, they may look angry, upset, or tense. It's the same thing with people on TV. If they're doing a live show and they're cutting away for a commercial break or just coming back from one, they have to hold a smile on their face for almost an unnaturally long time because people pick up on everything they see. And with your face, your default setting, your normal relaxed face, even if you're just thinking deeply, will come across maybe not in the best light possible. I also related to Rodney Dangerfield, who was a great comedian who passed on years ago. But he always said that if you're going to tell a joke, you have to freeze and keep that smile until the laughter stops. Because if you move while people are laughing, they're going to stop. So think of it as a pause, but be mindful of the fact that you have to maintain that approachable look. So when you're on a video conference, it's really important to make sure your face is saying what you want it to say. From the perspective of the viewer, I mean, if you're sitting there with a smile plastered on your face and it sounds, it seems very unnatural and very weird. Yes. yes, it does to you. But to the viewer, they take that in three or four or five seconds as the natural timing. So what seems weird to you is not weird to the viewer. The same way, I, I would equate this to a radio voice, to someone who's a, a morning disc jockey, for example, who talks really big and over-enunciates all the words like this because it comes <laughs> yeah. through 
perfectly on the radio. It's what you would expect. It, it's getting the energy through. You're really projecting your presence, your image, your brand through this body language, both standing, sitting, and also face. So I guess the most important part of the face, as we said in the previous podcast, is eye contact. How can I now take more of this? How can I maximize the power of my eye contact when people are 1,000 or 100 miles away from me on video? Most important is you've got to visualize the person you're talking to as the lens of the camera. This to me has been a daunting experience for so many years because it's so unnatural. But you have to look at the lens as if that's where the person is. If you speak looking at the person on the screen, your head's going to be lowered. Your eye contact will not be accurate. Put the camera up to your eye level using a box or books to raise it and resist getting distracted, sometimes looking at the window or I fall into looking at myself thinking, how do I look? And, and I know it's, you know, it's not easy not to look at yourself because you want to make sure you're coming across in the right light. So now I am delivering a great presence with my eye contact. I have my posture, I have my place on the camera, and now I need to start talking. And so what about my voice? What do I need to know about that? Well, as a leader, you have to have continuity between what you say, how you say it, and obviously how you look as you say it. For example, if you're saying, I'm so excited to be presenting, you have to have the appropriate facial expressions as well as tone of voice. Funny story, I was in Mexico City a while back, and we're watching a telepresence. There happened to be a gentleman from some European country, I don't know his nationality, but he spoke like this, I'm very excited to talk about our new initiative and the transformation it will be bringing. And I'm thinking to myself, is that excitement or depression? Like, really? So it's important to understand when you're using your voice, are you listening to the words that you're saying? And are you complimenting it with the inflection in your voice? Yeah, I would have thought that guy's probably thought he was coming across as very authoritative and, you know, very cool and calm leader. So it's, yeah, it's interesting to see how that's actually perceived, even if he was doing it consciously. It was hard to believe him to tell you the truth. I know that there are some technologies where you can try this out, you know, even before a meeting starts. Uh, I know in Skype, for example, there's the settings menu and you can go and check out your camera and your microphone. And most of the other ones have the same thing. So that's what I would recommend to people to do is to try it out. Just do it and see how you look, how you come across. Even if you don't have access to a, a conference technology at this moment, you can still do it on your phone. Just basically do a selfie and see how you come across, how you sound, because it is quite a surprise when you first notice how other people see you. I mean, even your voice, the way you think it sounds, is because it echoes through your head, the bones in your head, as opposed to what people see or hear in their ears. The only way really, in my opinion, I think the only way you can really see yourself is to get outside of yourself. Right. And, you know, we're very critical of our voices. I don't know if you've ever, well, obviously, we've all heard our voices. I don't think... I've ever heard someone say, I love the way my voice sounds, but I don't also believe that we can hear our voices the way others hear us. So we, we really need to be kind to ourselves. And we don't have to be professionals. We're not, you know, on television. We're, we're not on the radio. We just have to come across with confidence. We have to come across with humility. We have to be authentic and we have to make sure that 
what we say is believable. All these things together allow me to project a great presence as a leader, as an executive, which in normal good times is a good idea to have just to further your brand. But I think it's pretty obvious to say that it may be of great assistance right now when people are facing vast uncertainty in their entire lives. Do you think that this is, again, another reason why people should focus very strongly on this kind of presence? Yes. And I really believe right now more than ever before that we are all searching desperately for leaders that exhibit calm and confidence. No matter what you're discussing, it's important and you don't have to have a big title, but when you're talking to people, you want to influence people. You have to come across with the kind of demeanor and and self-assurance that allows people to want to listen to you. So when you start a video meeting in your best voice, looking and sounding the way you want and handling the messaging and even the glitches in a confident manner, you are allowing other people to have a sense of comfort. A couple of ideas, Steve. I tell people to reduce your speed when you're presenting complicated data. Even, you know, especially if you're with global teams. But regardless, if you speak too quickly, it's going to look like you're anxious. Be mindful of verbal upticks, which minimize your words. What that means, if you're going to make a declarative statement, you want to make sure your voice goes down at the end of the sentence and doesn't go up. I recommend always having a glass of water by the phone. And I like to suggest cough drops because it coats your throat, helps with the resonance of it. Avoid milk and coffee or tea. It stimulates the mucous glands and it makes people cough, gets them having a dry throat. Another tip, really, before a virtual meeting, if you can, I tell people to stand and and whisper as loud as you can, one to ten. So it would sound like this, one, two, three. I know that sounds funny, but what it does is it pushes your air deeper into your diaphragm. The deeper in your diaphragm, the lower your voice. And that's much more appealing to listen to someone when they have a lower voice as opposed to a high one. And I know that applies both to male and female speakers. It's just a matter of the vocal relaxation becomes part, I think, of positive contagion. I know that's a bad word to use right now, but... Oh, yes, it is a very bad word. (laughs) It is very bad. (laughs) But not everything is bad. (laughs) Calm. Calm is contagious. I mean, if you are a leader and you stand up and you say, you know, here's how we're going to do these things. The words are part of that. But again, the tone is what really delivers the emotional comfort to people. I love the uh, the mention of avoiding milk and coffee or tea because that's something that's so easily overlooked. And uh, yeah, dairy products are terrible at constricting the free flow of your voice. Chocolate as well is something else to avoid. I mean, a lot of times people have meetings. I love chocolate. How could you tell me that? Yeah. Hold, hold on to the end of the meeting, then have it, you know. But uh, if you're at home, yeah, you may have a coffee and a couple of cookies or brownie or something. Uh, but indeed, if you really want to let your voice flow free, there are certain foods that do just simply constrict it by the nature of their molecular structure. So and yeah, probably have to, wine, correct? We should stay away from drinking wine. <laughs> with wine, I'll be happy to try it out and let you know. I know it just enhances my personality, but let's continue. <laughs> Good. Well, this is pretty much it in terms of tips for your personal self, which is a really important thing because you carry that around whether you are at home or elsewhere as a leader and as a participant in a meeting. Uh, Do you have some tips on how my presence can be enhanced by lighting, especially if I'm working, again, from my home, my living room or my kitchen? Absolutely. I mean, I prefer when I go into seminars live, I always say, make it a little bit lower because I look better airbrushed. 
but you could actually orchestrate the lighting at home much better than you can in your office building. Number one, don't sit too close to the camera as your nose and mouth will be exaggerated. We've already covered that. Place a lamp behind your screen, even or just above your head height to eliminate shadows. Close your blinds if light is coming from other angles other than in the front of your face. Choose natural lighting if you can, but you don't want to have a lamp and natural lighting because it's going to create an odd light combination on your face. You should also do a screen test 15 minutes prior to the meeting to see how your hair, complexion, and voice come together and make the changes you want. I always do this before I'm going to be doing a, a virtual workshop because sometimes I overlook how the lights change even within a half hour uh, in my office depending on the time of day it can give me different shadows so just like in the face-to-face world how you virtually communicate will determine if others are inspired by you listen to or follow you we're not here to look like models but we certainly want to be mindful of our gestures our posture our facial expressions our tone of voice and our personal space so stage your presence to be impressive approachable and for you to feel that you are at your best at the moment. People tend to overlook these things thinking that it's more casual just to sit in your basement and work from there. But this is what people remember is uh, the impression, the sense, the emotional attachment they have to an individual who can put all these things together. So I think it uh, is really worth looking into these points, trying them out. And yeah, indeed, this is like showing up for business, showing up for work, putting on your A game. So yeah, we want to keep this conversation going. We've done two podcasts now on the technology and now the presence and style. So where can people find you in between the podcasts? Well, before that, I just have to say that to conclude this, that we have to remember that there are no dress rehearsals once the camera is rolling. Thank you, Steve, again. All my information is available at usheroff.com, Instagram, also on LinkedIn. Listeners can email contact us at usheroff.com as well. If you're interested in customized virtual training and executive presence, communication, leadership, remote team building or coaching, please reach out to Kathy with a C at Kathy at Asheroff.com, who will be absolutely delighted to set up a call. This has been the Roz Asheroff podcast with Roz and myself, Steve Prentice. So if you have any comments or suggestions uh, regarding this episode, please do let us know by dropping us a line on the website or through LinkedIn or Instagram. And if you like what you hear, please do consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. And maybe tell one person. There's no better endorsement in the world than word of mouth. So if you just tell one person that you like this, that does everyone a great favor. And we would be very grateful for that. So, Roz, up to you to close it down. Well, until next time, I'm Roz Asheroff, and thank you for the privilege of having your company through this podcast, and I wish you all safety and health.